Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CPL Newsroom, presented, of course, by our friends at Volkswagen. My name is Christian Jack. It is Monday, June the 12th, and for the next hour or so, we will recap Week 9 in the Canadian Premier League and have a little bit of a look ahead to the Nations League coming up this week in Las Vegas. Nations League final, a huge week ahead for Canada as they get to the Final Four of CONCACAF, hoping to be the true kings of CONCACAF. We will be joined later in the show also, actually quite shortly in the show, by Halifax Wanderers boss Patrice Geiser after a very special weekend for him. One of the major headlines as we look at the results from the weekend came out of Halifax. It started on Friday night as York United carried on their winning ways. They've got 13 points now from their last five games. They beat Atletico Ottawa by two goals to one. A Luke Singh own goal and an Azaze Di Rosario winner was enough to come back from Zach Verhoeven's early strike there at York. On Saturday, Halifax Wanderers 2, Valor FC 0. Uh, finally, Halifax get their first win. And in the 35th game of the CPL season, we finally had a brace. The first player to score more than one in a game this season was Callum Watson. Uh, you would have got long odds on that at the start of the season as Halifax were very good in the game to beat Valor by two goals to nil a valid team that is now winless now in their last eight on saturday night in hamilton forge nil pacific one a mistake led to Gennaro daniels's 85th minute winner as james merriman's team carry on on their merry ways and on pacific now have 14 points from their last six games forge struggling to score in front of goal three goals just in their last five games and on sunday it was a goal fest cavalry three vancouver fc one all four goals coming in the first 30 minutes Bevan with two and Camargo got one. Sean Hundell with the one for Vancouver. A great weekend of action. Common themes again. Braces, as I mentioned. Callum Watson and, of course, Maya Bevan. And some come-from-behind wins as York United and Cavalry dug deep at home, coming from losing positions to take all three points. We start the show, though, here in Halifax, where it was starting to get a little bit more, more like must-win territory before Saturday. Only week nine, I know, but for a new side with a new leader and a new identity, winless in their first eight games was not exactly ideal for Patrice Geyser and Halifax. They needed wins, and they got one. We welcome Alex Ganguruzic for this one, who covered this for us. Alex, always a pleasure to see you. Carry on the great work for us at campiel.ca and One Soccer. You were all over this one. A great recap. Uh, the pressure were there, though, on the host, wasn't they? You couldn't get away from it. They did deliver overall. What number out of 10 would you give this one? What did you like? Uh, and why did you come on that number? Yeah, ultimately, this was the, the massive game, really, for for Halifax. Just needed something to fall. It's something where it doesn't matter how ugly the win was going to be. If you're going to tell me they sat for, you know, 85 minutes but got a win, of course, that's not the way Patrice Geyser will play. That's, you know, that's what he, he, uh, he'll always say. He wants to play on the front foot. He wants to score goals. So in a sense, this was, uh, you know, a great performance. So I'd say probably about a seven and a half is what I'd lean just because in the, you know, on the other side, Valor <laughs> had a performance that they were not happy with and what we'll be sitting there, uh, you know, looking at with, with a bit of regret given their, their recent run of form and just probably the worst performance of the lot for Valor. But for Halifax, it was a phenomenal performance. They were on the front foot. 
uh, pretty much from minute uh, one, if not for an earlier chance from uh, from Valor. And, and from that point on, after that early scare where Guillaume Pianelli hit the post, it was just all Halifax. And what I loved about it, it wasn't just them on the ball. We know what they can do uh, in possession and in their build-up play and how they – uh, you know, they want to attack, but it was a lot of things that had been missing in past games. It was in that final third, they were getting those late runs, those those shots, those chances. Defensively, they were relentless. They were so good in transition, you know, an area where they, they haven't been the cleanest at times this year. They were always getting men behind the ball, uh, making sure they weren't letting Valor's dangerous counterattack grab a foothold. Their press was always so well-timed. They were knowing when to step, knowing when to drop. And I think it was just a committed performance across the board. And I think that's huge because, Halifax had great games. They'd had great performances, but there'd been moments where they'd switched off or maybe they weren't defending as hard as they could have or they couldn't get a second goal in a game. And the fact they ticked all those boxes in one for the first win, they couldn't have asked for more. Yeah, complete team performance, right? And that's exactly what they delivered and how you wrote it. More on them shortly as we get to produce guys who join the show live. Valor, though, you called them listless. I thought that was really good. Samaki played at left back, didn't necessarily work that way. Phil DeSantos made, I think, four changes at one time, all at, like before the 60-minute mark. You could see what he felt uh, of some of those players. Um, what went wrong for them? What didn't you like about their performance? Yeah, well, the, the one thing about watching Valor is that they're always committed, right? That's You're always used to watching a team that's organized, disciplined. They know what they want to do on and off the ball. Uh, they have a very clear way of, of playing, and they're not going to get outworked. So for me to see them completely outworked in every facet of the field was surprising, right? That's, you're not used to seeing... Uh, a Valor team not in the fight. And I think that was the big thing about what Phil DeSantos, uh, you know, kind of was just, you know, disappointed about after the game, just looking at his team. And there just wasn't enough fight across the roster. There was, you know, if the only fight really they showed was with themselves or, you know, even at times with the referee. And that's never what you want to see for, from Valor because they're a team that has to be committed. They're not, you know, maybe a team that's going to have, uh, you know, players that are going to take over games by themselves. They're a team that when they're the collective, they're going to lift each other up. They're going to be good defensively. That's why, despite all the injuries this year, they've been defending well. Because yeah. when they defend as a collective, they can make up for that. They got a great goalie in Rain Yesley who can clean up the the mess for them sometimes when it does happen. And you know, he, he did his best in this game. He was probably one of the bright lights for them in this game was Yesley. Um, but there's just too many performances like that. And I think for for a team like Valor, it just kind of throws everything you want to do out the window if you just don't show up like that. And that's probably the thing where where Phil DeSantos is sitting there just thinking. Look, like he said it after the game. He's like, look, I'll accept one where we get outplayed or something where just we're not clicking tactically, but you have to be willing to work and willing to fight for each other. And there just wasn't enough of that. Yeah, you mentioned it. As ever, always honest in wins and losses. Uh, here is Phil DeSantos after this one. We weren't able to find, find spaces. We weren't able to execute well when we did find the spaces. Um, what bothers me the most is when you you show signs that you're not competing or matching the opposition's intensity. So I feel that this game, um, a lot of things went against us. A lot of things didn't work our way. Um, and that's simple. Uh, opponent that was better than you and us not being good enough. And it's a good wake-up call uh, because, you know, I feel that sometimes we could get comfortable in, in, in certain situations and... Uh, uh, there's moments in, in, in the season where things happen to you and you need to see it in a way where, um, where we need to grow from it. And that's what I take out of it. Well, always transparent. Always transparent from Phil, no doubt about it. Back to Halifax, though, Alex. How important was it? By the way, they had over 5,500 there. Uh, how important was it that 
they were able to score early in both halves just to ease the nerves there and just continue to show the dominance that was obviously reflected in the scoreline. Yeah, for sure. I think if you want to play on the front foot, goals help a lot. You know, they can help you build momentum, can build confidence. Um, so the early goal helped a lot, especially for, for Callum Watson and the, the team, just because right before they had that great chance, Callum Watson gets a two-on-one. Could he have maybe squared it to Tiago Coimbra or gotten a better finish off? Probably great save from Ryan Yeslin. You kind of almost wonder, ooh, is this going to be one of those days where they get a lot of chances and they don't get that that famed first and second goal, that, that two-goal lead? Then they get the first one to drop and they're pushing and you're like, okay, will they get that second or will Valor get one out of nothing? And, you know, is it going to be back to, to square one in that regard for, for Halifax? So the fact that they then got a second, they were relentless with the pressure. Uh, I think that, that was everything for them because that was their first two goal lead all season. It's their first win. I feel like those two things are very much uh, connected because when you're playing on the front foot, you're always prone to, to you know, that transition game to which counterattack. Uh, you know, that's just the, the way the sport is. You can maybe get a bit sloppy on a, in a, a pass in midfield and the other team pounces and they're sitting there, oh, what if, if we got that second goal? So it was a big goal for them. They'd mentioned it in past, uh, you know, games where they had one that, oh, we just need to get that second. So the fact they were able to get that was the biggest goal of them all, I think. Yeah, it was a day for the collective, but they did need someone to score. And that man was Callum Watson, as you alluded to, a day of first, the first CPL player of the season in game 35 to get a brace. Here is the Englishman after this one. No, for sure. I mean, when you go as long as we have without a win, there, of course, there's going to be some frustration, uh, especially considering we think we've had some some pretty decent performances. Um, but we knew it was only a matter of time before we come away with, with the three points. Uh, and thankfully enough, uh, that's today in front of our home fans. We are in less than 60 seconds or less, if you can. Watson with the brace, what impressed you about him and anybody else stood out that you really that were really shining on the day? Yeah, just like the energy Watson brought to, to midfield. It, you know, it feels like Halifax, um, sometimes their midfielders can maybe be a bit more prone to sitting back and wanting to, to play in the periphery. And, you know, you know, a lot of great passers, guys who want to break it down. But sometimes you just need a guy who's willing to make those runs in the final third, uh, do a little of that dirty work. And Calum Watson did a lot of that. He was making these late runs. He was sacrificing, you know, a bit of, of stamina, energy to do that. But it opened up avenues for, for players to play in. And then when the ball fell to him, he, he did great things. And from there, I think it's no coincidence as well that a guy like Aiden Daniels had another great game just because having Watson there opening up a little bit of space, making those late runs. Daniels was just finding these pockets and it looked like he was, he was gliding out there. He had basically one hand in his pocket and then the other hand was just, you know, out there orchestrating it and playing these sorts of line breaking passes. And, uh, you know, a guy like Watson, if he can keep bringing that energy from, from midfield, it, it will be immense going forward uh, for the Wanderers to break down teams more like they did against Valor. Yeah, comprehensive review of this, of course, on campio.ca by AGR, who talked more in depth about Watson. You can go there, please, to read that more um, essential uh, essential to their performance on the weekend, no doubt about it. All right, AGR, before we let you go, what's next for these two heading into another week in the CPL, and what do you expect? Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, big week of, uh, coming ahead for, uh, you know, both teams. Valor, they head back. They've got a big one that, that kind of awaits them here, um, you know, with Forge at home, and it's going to be a big... Uh, just wake up call of sorts right after a, a performance like that you you can't do that against Forge that's for sure especially not at home where you you know they're yet to to really get that, that win at home which is something we're not used to to seeing from them so lots to play for from there based on Philly's going to want a fired up group maybe we see a bit of rotation to kind of push and, and, and prod the group in that regard as for Halifax they get the huge advantage of not having to travel after a home game their first home game back to back they get a host Cavalry this week that'll probably be huge just for 
you know, a couple extra days of rest and training and preparing for another game in front of their home fans. Um, so it's going to be tough. Cavalry's uh, looked good, uh, you know, when they're playing at their best this year, but they had an entertaining game at, at, you know, out in Calgary a few weeks ago. So we'll be interested to see if they can, uh, can live up to that once again. Yeah, two fascinating tilts again. Uh, great stuff. AGR, always great. We appreciate your work. Thanks for joining us and we'll speak to you next week. Awesome. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure for you as well, as ever, to bring in AGR uh, from the West Coast, but talking more about the East Coast this week. Uh, now we bring in our special guest, Patrice Geiser, who has been a monumental addition for us at the CPL, an even bigger addition on the East Coast of Halifax. Um, lucky to catch him uh, on, a, on a day like today. We always have a pleasure to bring him in. Patrice, great to see you. Thanks for joining us live on the show. Um, I guess the first question is pretty obvious. How was Saturday and uh, a lot of mixed emotions, I'm sure, heading in, but just nothing but positivity afterwards? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Christian. I mean, um, it was a relief, but to be quite honest, I thought the group had done really well up to even before that game. I mean, we're top three in shots, top two in touches in penalty box. Our XP has us at third place. Our XG, we're away from four goals. But we all know that it's a result-oriented business and the win was starting to haunt the group. I'm really, really happy for the group of young men. You know, when you look at Tiago at 19 years old and Callum at 21, you know, I, I, was, I was thrilled. And, you know, more importantly, I'm really happy for the city and the organization considering what the city's been through for the past couple of weeks. I hope that, that you know, brought a little bit of a smile on some people's faces. So um, it was a relief and I'm looking forward to keep moving and excited about this upcoming weekend. Yeah, you un undoubtedly deserved it. Those of us who have watched every game and every minute knew that it was coming. You know, one of my favorite sayings in sports of analysis, Patrice, is that success leaves clues, right? And even though you hadn't necessarily got the success in the outcomes, you just mentioned some of the stats there. How important was it for you to continue to talk to your players and remind them that there was a lot of success in there despite not the wins coming in the first eight games? Yeah, it, it was huge. And I'll tell you, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. You know, that Forge win, we get it in the 90th minute, it doesn't happen. I felt Pacific, we were almost there. Calgary with the penalty. But what it's done, it's added adversity to our guys. It's made them learn and understand what a win means. And at this level, you really have to earn it from when you walk into that stadium to the very end. So their commitment had to grow. I think that no one stopped believing. So I was ecstatic about that. So we just kept growing and... I mean, the, the confidence that they gained from that. But I also can't lie. It was a relief. So the guys feel ecstatic. So um, it was great. It was great. I want to ask you a little bit more of a deeper dive into some personnel, if you don't mind, and just how you've sure. been handling this. Because um, I think to talk about the positivity, we also have to talk about the journey that you get there. And I want to take you back a little bit to the game against York, probably the most difficult game you've had this season. You lose 3-0 at home. Um, a couple of players in that game struggled i'm thinking of mo omar and aiden daniels and you took them both off during the game and then you didn't start them the next two games but here they are starting playing a big part in a big win what does that say about those two and what was that like patrice as a as a gaffer when you have to take players out and necessarily understand that it, it isn't about evaluating them in that performance it's about a gradual thing we live in this world now where everyone's jumping to instant conclusions and you can't do that as a coach particularly in with young men in this sport i would imagine Oh, for sure. And and before that, Christian, honestly, I think I'm glad you brought up success. You know, and we talk about success in a point system, but I have to consider success ha comes with the, me helping these players. After all, I'm the coach. And I mean, you want to talk about progress. Look at Aiden Daniels. He's already exceeded 
uh, goals and uh, assists that he had last year. The way he's been working, and I think I've not made it difficult for him. I've said to him from day one, I believe in you. I believe in you, Mo. I just want to know how much do you believe in yourself? And I think for me, it's competition starts every Monday for you to earn a job on Saturday. You know, you talk about Tiago. Tiago hasn't played a lot in the past few games. And how do you keep him happy and motivated to come in to do that? Uh, Callum hasn't played much and he's come off the bench. So for me, the culture that we've created um, has allowed these young men to continue to push. And, you know, I thought Aiden was terrific off the bench against Pacific. Terrific. I thought even the game after that off the bench was amazing. Even at Calgary, he was great. So we're always looking to push our guys and we want results, but we also want success for our players to be able to grow and play above this and play with the Canadians men's national team. You know, you can't become what you can't see. So for me, that's an important piece for me to be a part of their journey and continue to communicate with them every day. It's a great, it's a great answer. Does it also mean, Patrice, that then on the opposite side, when you leave someone like Andre Rampasad out, which is a big call, and he comes in, that you can then say, look, it's already been examples of players have been left out and now they're succeeding, that, that it's not just about 11 players. Is that Because that was a big call, I'm sure, for you on the weekend. Oh, for sure. I mean... Wasn't it just emotionally, Christian, if you ever spoken to Andre, he really is one of the greatest humans I've ever met. You know, I felt so emotional after the game with the words that he shared with me, you know, because he felt partially responsible for some of the results not going and saying how much he believed in me. And he apologized. It was incredible. So it was for sure. But it goes again to prove to our group that we act on the things that we preach to them. You got to fight every day. You got to push. And I also felt that Andre needed the rest as he left today for the Trinidad national team, which we're excited about. So yeah. it continues to grow and it's part of our culture. And I think, you know, what I'm trying to do is come up with a philosophy of culture and on the field that's sustainable, that when I leave, this club can operate. Our identity is there of the type of players and the type of humans we need here to succeed. And I'm glad that we took a major step in the right direction this past weekend. Yeah, you can undoubtedly see it. Some questions in the chat for you today, if you don't mind. Some Flem in Halifax, he said, um, was it your intent to let Lorenzo, that being Caligari, have more freedom up the pitch with Omar anchoring? And what maybe you can just talk about the balance of getting known to in the same 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 field at the same time because Caligari's been terrific for you. He's been, I mean, Lorenzo has been fantastic and his composure and calmness on the ball is is second to none. You know, he leads the league in passes and he's done some tremendous stuff. And again, you know, we go back to us in Vancouver having the most new players this year. We're still trying stuff. I, I, I don't want to give anyone the impression that here comes the winning streak and we're going. It's a working project, but it's something that I'm proud of that I will stand behind and put my name behind every day. So the plan was for Mo to be in a more comfortable situation as he played in college. And listen, Mo's played center back for us. Mo played as an eight against Calgary and played as a six this game. So credit to Mo to keep an open mind and not saying, Hey, Gaffer, you're, you're, you're confusing me and dragging me all over the place. So mm -hmm. we wanted to find the balance. Can we connect more Lorenzo on the right side with Zach and Aiden Daniels and get it more forward and have Mo sit and command space that we've given up a lot of goals from, frankly, in transition. And I thought on that day, it came off quite well. Yeah, it certainly did. Um, Thomas is intrigued about where Morelli is going to fit in the system, but I, I think I pretty much know what you're going to say here um, in terms of just having great players for competition in, in, in key places. No, maybe some more thoughts on on having Zhao come back and and, and integrating it into the team where you're obviously looking to to score more goals. 
Yeah, listen, the easy answer is we're going to tell Joao just to stay inside the 18-yard box. It's where he's a predator. And, you know, when you have good players, you can work within it. We don't have a set system, but we do have a set philosophy. And I think, I hope you agree that Joao very much fits it. He's a technical, silky, smooth player. And I think, you know, he sent me the greatest message after the game on Saturday saying he can't wait now that it's official because um, I think it fits him more. So um, I don't quite know where he's going to be, but he's going to be closest to the goal as possible as he's magic in those uh, finishing opportunities. Yeah, and one thing you can know about Zhao is that he cares, right? And he's going to do anything yeah. it takes for that for that community, a community that he loves. Um, on that community, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. It's it's been a really difficult time, uh, undoubtedly. Uh, I was, you know, I was just amazed at the the passion that they brought again on the weekend. Yeah. Um, it is only the third game. I think that got lost a little bit in the in the news about you having a struggling first eight games. You had six road games. You had a very difficult schedule to begin yeah. the season as well. Um, but you talked about it. Patrice, when you first came about making that fortress, you know, it felt that way. I'm sure when you celebrated with them after the game, that connection with that fans, that's what football's about. Know that badge on the shirt representing communities. For sure. Without a doubt. And I mean, the travel has been exhausting. You know, um, I, I remember, you know, talking with everyone, the first question, what's the, what's the jump from league one to CPL. And I think you've been one of the guys who's been advocate that, that I don't think the jump is massive because I believe in myself and I believe in the group. Yeah. But the travel was very difficult. You know, like it was an 18 hour travel day for us to get to Victoria with the stopover. So it's great to be home. But the one thing that we really stressed is that we don't want one fan sitting and Callum and Tiago, if you look at it, you're looking at the game action. But when you look at the side, when the ball's out of bounds, they constantly were true orchestrators of the band and constantly got everybody up on their feet. And for me, we're looking to pick up 30 points at home. We have 14 games. We get 30 points at home. We're going to, you know, reach one of our goals. That's one of them. The other goal is never lose two games in a row. And I think, you know, what I've been proud is that when we've had a loss, you've seen a great bounce back from us. So now it becomes when we got a win, can we take two steps forward rather than just one step? But the fans here are incredible, man. Uh, like from the get-go, from the game before, before the whistle's blown. So I'm really happy to see that we made them smile and proud. Yeah, great job. A couple more with you and we'll let you go. I know it's a busy sure. day. Spencer and some of the fans are asking your thoughts on this upcoming game against Cavalry. First of all, you don't have to travel, which is fantastic. Uh, but Cavalry is always a tough test. And I'm sure you watched them and took plenty of notes last night about their fluidity and attack against Vancouver, where for the first 30 minutes or so, they were a real force. Yeah, they're fantastic. I thought, you know, one, I, um, you know, I think our group is motivated given the, the way the game ended last game and a few of the heated uh, circles that there were. But you know, I think we're looking to finish that off. Um, you know, I met Tommy over 15 years ago at a U17 uh, Nationals. So we've been close friends. I have the highest level of respect. And I was, uh, I mean, it's not great timing for us, but they looked very sharp last night. But, you know, we, we also want to win games we earn against good teams. It's not about us wanting to prey on the uh, someone who's down and out. So I'm really excited about it. I think that they're 4-2-3-1. And I feel like Tommy's kind of been in my shoes you know, and kept talking about patience and fluidity and consistency. And it, it, it was a fantastic first 60 minutes. So we're looking forward to it. And I think it'll be a great soccer game. Um, I think Calgary is a very aggressive team. They're going to look to press us, which is great for us. And we're going to try to be brave and play through it. 
Great stuff. That's on Saturday, of course, at the Wanderers Grounds, 3 o'clock local. Maybe on Sunday, you'll give yourself a bit of time to watch Canada, potentially in a Nations League final uh, in Las Vegas. That'd be pretty special, certainly with some of your players who are connected to you that you've coached in the past, Johnston, Miller, amongst others. Um, what do you think about Canada's chances, quickly, Patrice, and, and what, again, is another special week for this men's national team that we keep saying the same thing in terms of these tentpole moments? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, one, uh, the, the connection that we have with all of our players, you know, Kamal, Alistair, all of them sending the message after the one was great. And, you know, just talking to them, they feel that just like us, we talk about culture, you know, the stuff off the field just continues to grow. Everyone's really in a good place. And now with the addition of uh, the two new coaches, you know, their portfolio continues to grow. I think it's a major step to show everyone that we are really a top, top, top and own CONCACAF. And that's difficult given, you know, the growth everyone else has had. So, oops. It's okay. We still got you. Yeah. So I think for me, it's, you know, I'm looking forward to a great ending to this tournament and I expect them to finish and hopefully win it all. I'm very optimistic and, I think Coach Hardman and his staff have done a marvelous job growing the players. And, you know, you look at all the respected players and their seasons they're having, it really lines up for a very successful week. I'm excited about it. Certainly does. We all are as well. Patrice, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. I I know we work at the league and we don't support any team, but we all had enormous smiles on our face, got tons of messages, how many people were delighted for you on the weekend. You're doing a great job playing a style of football that is not always easy. Uh, You're not taking the easy route because you're thinking big picture, and we certainly appreciate that. Again, keep up the great work. We'll see you soon, and good luck this weekend. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for having me. No, thank you, Patrice Geiser, a class actor who's doing a great job there uh, on the East Coast. Uh, From beautiful Halifax, we move to Ontario. And on Friday night, a clash between high-flying York United and an Atletico Ottawa side confident after a big win last week took on uh, a really pretty good, good, in terms of an entertaining factor, a really good game in this one, which had a lot of storylines. For that, we bring in our own Charlie O'Connor-Clark, who was in attendance for this. Charlie, always great to see you. Uh, This was a special game again. Uh, another come from behind win overall out of 10 what would you give this contest in terms of its compelling factor and why what did you like about this one yeah i love this game and uh, you know i've i've always been hesitant to give out high scores but this game is an eight for me love it um this was this this had a, a little bit of everything it had obviously that that hell of a goal from zach verhoven at the start of the game and then york just dug in and, and found a way back into the game pretty quickly johnny grant with this this cross here in the highlights if you're watching on youtube Again, rewarded just for putting the ball in the dangerous area. Uh, and then a, a late one off a set piece, which, uh, it, again, York are, are one of the best stories in the league right now in terms of how uh, how their season started and how they've responded since then. So now five unbeaten with, uh, with four of those being wins uh, against some very good teams. So I think this is a, a fascinating game. It was a, a great night at York Lions Stadium. It's Pride Night. Just a, a lot of good vibes around, uh, around the players in this game for York. So... You know, it's, it's always a, always fun to see a team go on a little bit of a run like this. And Charlie, we got the shake and bake. We did. We did. I was uh, I was hoping that might come out one day. And I think for a, a guy like Asazi de Rosario to, uh, to have started the season as frustratingly as he has for that moment to finally drop for him here with that header off the set piece. Uh, I, I think you have to break it out there. It's a pretty big goal for the kid, right? And his dad was in attendance, to be fair. So I'm sure that was a special moment, too. Yeah, great to see Dwayne there supporting his son and, of course, the CPL. Let's talk more about this York United team. Mm-hmm. Um, football's funny sometimes, right? It gives you what you want it sometimes. that you know, It gives you what you put, give back. 
It's amazing what a confident team can do. The tactical changes are suddenly working. The goal mm-hmm. scorer is suddenly scoring. And just like that, you go from a game where I think earlier in the year or sometimes last year, they would have lost this game to nothing, to three points. Um, yeah. and, and it just goes to show you how the energy and the motivation is working really well. And almost everything that they're trying right now is, is, is working for York, Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's one of those funny things where, uh, you know, for a, for a few games in a row, you'll try the same things and they don't work. And then suddenly it starts to click and suddenly it feels like everything starts going right for your team, right? This team has shown that they're very resilient. They can find results late in games. I mean, it wasn't even that long ago that they did that at Forge with that, that Sumaro goal at the end. And then this one is, is just an, an impressive performance and an impressive one from Martin Ash in particular, I think. He obviously uh, was forced to put a lot of players in different positions that maybe isn't their their natural spot. They had Paris G in central midfield. They had you know Austin Ricci starting this game as a 10, Max Ferrari as a left back. But they found a way, and I think... There, there was really only one one big change that Nash was able to make in the second half where he brings on Michael Petrasso. He puts him in the 10 and he's able to get Austin Ricci out to the wing where both of those players are better. And I think from there, it, it really, really became uh, a game that they were able to take over. Petrasso was so crucial. I think he won the corner that led to the goal. Ricci had that little bit of directness. He was able to run and, and pin Ottawa back a little bit more. And even even at, at the very end of the game, you see how much of a veteran player Michael Petrasso is, where he takes the ball into the corner alongside Ricci. And then I think he just scoops it up on his foot and knocks it off, a, uh, I think it was Zach Bahus, to, to put it out and win the throw again for York. So again, a, another example of a player that you know York haven't had a lot recently. He's gone through a lot of injuries, but a player that is so incredibly clever and talented when he is able to get on the pitch. So another example of something that is just going well for York at the moment. So I think that that was also a, an impressive thing to see from this club. Yeah, the carrying no passengers, you know, players yeah. just let the, the football intelligence goes up when Jeremy Gagnon Lapare and Petras are on the pitch mm-hmm. together. Ricci's quietly been one of the best CPL players for at least a month. Uh, his directness has been terrific. And now Di Rosario scoring, you go on and on. You know, you mentioned G. Uh, Murakudis was terrific. Grant in defense as well. Uh, they're not carrying anybody right now, which is really important. Uh, let's go back to York Lions Stadium and listen to the thoughts of York United Martin uh, Gaffer Martin Nash, particularly on the resilience shown by York. We started decent. We had a bunch of possession. We were getting some good errors. We, we didn't have a cutting edge, really, for most of the first half, to be fair. Um, and it was uh, we just got caught short, loud... Uh, Zach to get inside and he hit a cracker. You know, it's one of them. It's it's probably a low percentage chance, but he put it right in the top corner. What a great goal! And um, but we didn't get down. We kept going. We kept fighting. And uh, you know, good ball in by Johnny, and that they weren't able to deal with to get the first one. It settled us down going into halftime and changed a few things. Thought we could uh, do a bit more. And to be fair, most of the chances they got were from our giveaways. We were uh, a bit sloppy at times. Um, you know, there's three times of players of ours put our hands up going, I just made a kind of bad play and they hit the post. So, um, you know, we've, again, at times we brought our luck, but we hung in there and were able to find a winner. Find a winner indeed. They did it. Um, all right, Charlie, time for the list of greats, uh, 60 seconds or less. Who stood out for you in this? I mean, you have to start with York's midfield. Daniel Lapare of Paris G were tremendous. Uh, we, Daniel Lapre has been missing from the starting lineup since the first week of the year in April, but he comes back in. He's immediately running the show. And you could see 
his veteran experience and leadership on the pitch to direct a lot of players that are maybe not playing a position they're comfortable with. So he was he was outstanding for me. Um, I, I think there's a lot of players at York that, that stand out as well. Max Ferrari had a lot of work to do on that left side in a difficult position for him. Um, and, and I think across the board, York as a as a unit, I've mentioned Petrasso as well. Ottawa had a, a couple of good performances we'll get to in a second as well. I thought Miguel Acosta was actually quite good in this game, mm-hmm. uh, as was Jean-Aniel Assi. But I think the, the story again is York and how well they controlled the midfield against a team who has a very, very good trio in the center of the park there. Yeah, Jeremy Gagnon Lapare was a massive signing for them in the offseason. Didn't necessarily go well at the beginning, played that first game, got hurt, looked like he was done for a while. Thankfully, he's come back, and you can just see the difference that he makes when he's on the pitch. Um, he certainly was uh, your man of the match, and I think quite rightly so. Um, most people's performance of the match, no doubt about it. Uh, let's go back to York Lions. Uh, on Friday, here's Charlie, who caught up with the man of the match, Jeremy Gagnon Lapare. Post game reaction presented by Allstate alongside Jeremy Gagnon Lapare. Uh, Jeremy, 2-1. I think you guys are undefeated in five now. You're uh, you're playing all 90 in this one. Just tell me a bit about that game. Yeah, first of all, it felt really good to be back out there uh, for a, a full 90 minutes. It's been a it's been over a month and a half now that I uh, I had a chance to play uh, for for this long with this team. So it feels really good and uh, and to top it off with a win like this uh, with a lot of uh, of character and uh, and grit on the line is. Uh, it means a lot to me, honestly, and I'm sure it means a lot to everyone that played today. Tell me a little bit about the character of this team, because, I mean, just a week and a half ago at Forge, you guys again get the win with a very late goal. This one again, uh, and it just it seems like it's very difficult to beat this team right now, doesn't it? I, I think we got a, a little bit of... Uh, a, a, a little something going for us right now that's uh, that's special, and... Um, I think we got we just gotta we just gotta roll with that right now and 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 take as many points because we all know it's a long season. There's gonna be ups and downs, but when you're um, you got that little something going for you, I think you gotta cap- capitalize on uh, on those games and it's it's what we we seem to be doing right now and uh, and it's very important. Mm-hmm. It's a big match for you personally as well. As we mentioned, getting back in the lineup for the first time since I guess really the first week of the season yeah. in a starting lineup. Uh, how did you feel it there? I mean, you got a, a couple of those good set pieces in there as well, but overall, that midfield battle it seems like it went pretty well for you. Yeah, I was honestly I was just very happy to get through the 90 with no uh, no problem. Uh, it's been uh, it's been very difficult, like just seeing the guys battle out there and being on the on the sideline. It's uh, there's not much you can do. It just feels uh, amazing now to be back. Yeah. Lastly, you uh, you get the assist on the set piece at the end there, and Asaze seems like it's quite a relief for him to to finally get that first goal. It seems like you guys are pretty happy for him. Yeah, very happy for him. Uh, um, it, it's a lot of uh, of pressure when you're coming off a big season like he had last season, especially at uh, at such a young age. So uh, it's it's going to be a big weight off his shoulder, and uh, and now I think he can uh, he can just take every game a bit more easily and just get back to what he can do because we all know he's got amazing abilities and uh, and uh, just get back to goal scoring ways is is going to be uh, is going to be big for him. Absolutely. York United again beating Atletico Ottawa 2-1 to here at York Lions Stadium for a fifth straight game unbeaten. Jeremy, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Great stuff by Charlie. You mentioned it. Five-game winless, uh, five-game unbeaten run. Uh, nine goals during that run. None bigger, though, than the D-Roll goal. No doubt about it yeah. in, in so many different aspects. All right, let's flip the script, the, 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 the scripts for Atletico Ottawa. They hit the woodwork three times. They take the lead. They had a number of chances to win the game. 
were they unlucky? Just simply unlucky in this one, Charlie? Or is there something else again under this team where after a win they lose, where it's just not clicking at the moment? What did you see? Yeah, I, I really don't think that Ottawa should come out of this game particularly upset with the performance. I think the first half in particular, they were very good. And they actually looked, to me, maybe the most like they did last year, as they have all season. Because they're, they're really getting back to that foundation of the, the back three that shifts to a four out of possession. And, and really clogging up the right areas, finding those transitional moments. I've mentioned Giannani LSE, but he was running at Max Ferrari so often in that first half, just collecting those passes and playing the give and goes. It was a very, very entertaining matchup over on that flank. But yeah, I mean, they hit the post three times. And you think uh, Zach Verhoeven obviously hitting the, the first one and then scoring a wonder goal like five minutes later, I think less yeah. than that. So he makes up for that. But then Ali Bassa hits the post twice with, with shots from distance. And I think it's a game where it's very frustrating for Ottawa and uh, to concede on an own goal and a set piece it's kind of difficult for a coach like Carlos Gonzalez to pick out what specifically went wrong for them. Uh, you might, you probably say that they maybe lost a little bit of that killer instinct towards the end of the game and, and maybe didn't adjust as well as York did because York kind of make that switch around the hour mark and Ottawa don't really adapt to it. And they're, they're continuing to play in the same sort of spaces and getting burned a little bit more often. But I, again, I think for Ottawa, there's not a lot to, to look at as problematic from this game. I think it's the kind of game where you're on the road and, and sometimes that happens and it would be a lot easier to swallow if there had been more results previously for them. I know the one last weekend, but uh, it, it's a difficult one to swallow. But again, I, I really don't think if you're Carlos Gonzalez, you can change anything drastic from a game like that. You mentioned it. Let's hear from him. Here's Carlos Gonzalez after their narrow 2-1 loss at York. Well, I think that the game plan worked. You know, I think that we went into the areas that we wanted, that we created, and yeah, Zach Verhoeven plays there. It's a a play that that is uh, versatile and that uh, he can he can run to the space or he can receive in the feed and he can he can be quite versatile. So, yeah, I think that the the situations worked today. What didn't work was the the last the last uh, pass or, or the ending situation in which I felt that, that we created to win the game, but we didn't win the game. As ever, you can read Charlie's comprehensive guide at campiel.ca on this one. And it's definitely tons to get into. What's next for these two, though, Charlie? Two really interesting tilts for both these sides. Yeah, I think so. Atletico Ottawa going back home when they're hosting Vancouver FC there for the first time. I think that's a, that's a game that Ottawa are going to circle and say we have to win this, Yeah, I think, to, to get back on the horse there. Uh, York, though, the fascinating one is they go back out to Langford for the second time this year to play Pacific. And last time they were there, that's really kind of the, the flashpoint for this run that they're on now because they lost that game 4-1, then went straight to Halifax, stayed together for a week, and since then they've been uh, one of the best teams in the league, certainly results-wise. So we'll, we'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they identified what went wrong in that last game at Pacific and see how different this one is because then they have to come back home midweek to play Halifax again, so it's a short turnaround for them. Yeah, as ever, they'll be needing their full squad for both those games in the short turnaround, no doubt about it. Charlie, great stuff. We always appreciate your work. We'll chat with you next week. Uh, thanks for this. So, reminder, 
friends at TonyBet, uh, campio.ca slash predictor. You choose the correct score, you can win up to 20,000 tickets to games. It's all there. Check it out. And uh, we do what we can to give you some tips here as well. Next, we stay in Ontario for a top-of-the-table Saturday, Saturday night clash in Hamilton between Forge and Pacific. Benedict Rhodes was there for us. A close game settled by a big error, Benedict. Uh, overall, what number out of 10 would you give this contest uh, and its compelling factor and why? What did you like about this? Uh, I'll go for a seven. I think it, it was coming into this game, it was you know the, the battle of the two top teams in this in this division, I think. You know, now those two in York United at the top of the table are the ones who are really standing out so far this season. And um, now there's, there's a game where there was, there was a lot of chances for both teams. You know, if you're watching YouTube, you saw a big one there. Tristan Henry made a huge save to deny Amor Didich, who, you know, you called last week a, a set-piece menace, and he was that again this week. Um, Forge maybe lacked a bit of a, a scoring touch and, and sort of Pacific for the majority of this game, but they kept grinding down Forge. And, and towards the end of the game, they they – they got their opportunity on, on an error from Forge and they took it and they won the game one nil on the road and moved to the top of the Canadian Premier League table. Yeah, it's a bit of a common theme on the show here today. We talked to Patrice earlier about, you know, eventually you keep working hard, you get what you deserve. Um, we talked to Charlie about that with York United in terms of getting what you deserve. And right now in a game that looked like was ending for a nil-nil, the way Pacific came out in that second half and the way they've been playing lately despite it being a gift, you could argue that they got what they deserve. Benedict, fair? I think that's fair. You know, I think you know, good teams win games, right? Whether it's, it's through luck, but you kind of make your own luck and sometimes. And that was kind of happening in this game. You know, it was a, a, I think I called it speculative, the, the pass from Randy Aparicio down the pitch. And, and, and but Gennaro Daniels, you know, knew if he, if he goes and he presses them, he'll put some pressure on the back line. And, and uh, Dom Samuel and Tristan Henry kind of, uh, collided or, or miscommunicated there and, and Jared Daniels took advantage. So, you know, good teams find a way to win and, and take the opportunities when they come to them. And while that did lack for a lot of this game, you know, they, they got the opportunity and they took it. Good teams find a way to win. Good players find a way to make a difference. And Manny Aparicio is always involved in big in big moments right now. Let's talk about Pacific. I want to talk about their maturity a little bit. It's not always gone well for them at Tim Hortons Field. In fact, aside really from the final in 2021, it's been a bit of a house of horrors for them. Uh, they got obliterated by Forge last year, 3-0. It could have been six. They were awful that day. Uh, less than a year, they've turned this around. Second half, you were really impressed about them. And now they are, they are undoubtedly the best team in the CPL uh, at the moment. There's nobody going to argue with that. What did you like about them uh, in terms of their second half performance? Yeah, after the break, you know, I think James Merriman spoke about it. He said, you know, at halftime, they, they wanted to spend the first half just being, you know, defensively sound. And, and then when they when that did happen, they knew they were able to to attack a bit more. And 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 in the second half, that did come for them. You know, they brought, you know, Ayman Salouf and, and Sean Young off the bench and Gennaro Daniels. And, those are three guys who, you know, maybe don't always expect to see on the bench. You know, I know Sloop has played there a bit off the bench recently, but you know, he's one of the best players in this league. He's, he's surely one of the front runners early for the for the player of the season. Uh, and he came on again and made a huge difference. He he within 30 seconds, I think he already had a shot on goal. Uh and and when he's on the pitch, you know, defenders kind of gravitate towards him and opens up space for other players as well. Uh but Pacific, they were just relentless. They just kept going, kept going and and sort of ground down forge until an opportunity presented itself. Yeah, they were terrific. Uh, let's go back to Tim Hortonsfield on Saturday night and hear from the winning manager. Here's manager of the month for May, James Merman. We come into a difficult place to play, so um, we wanted to be organized and, and compact defensively to, to start the game and not give them anything in our half. Um, we came in a halftime 
true to our plan, and I think then we knew we could start to open up a little bit more, um, start to attack more, and, and we knew the changes that we were going to be able to make um, could make the difference at the end of the match. Those changes certainly made a difference. All right, Benny, time for the list of your greats in 60 seconds or less. Who stood out for you as individuals in this one? After Forge, I think before the error, I thought Tristan Henry was fantastic. And up until the last couple of moments of the game, he made a couple of huge saves on Amir Didich and Adonijah Reed, who I was also my player of the game was, was Reed. He was he was everywhere in, in the attack, and especially in, in the first half, he had a, had a shot saved. He was making those runs in behind that, that Pacific sort of thrive on and, and, and transition. And uh, Manny Aparicio, again, in midfield, kind of kind of ran the show for them. It was, it was a game where there was maybe some errors from Forge in midfield, and, and he capitalized on them and... and Put in, you know, sort of a, a vintage maniac recent performance where he just he just runs everywhere. He's he's tireless and and he sort of makes things happen for Pacific FC. Yeah, Parisio was terrific. Hard not to get him into the team of the week this week. Just missed out, but he was very good. Um, all right. As for Forge, the ball's not going in. Uh, they're just not scoring at the moment. Um, there seems a bit of a lack of continuity as well. Maybe Bobby Munoz is trying a lot of different things. Johnson was back in defense. Dom Samuel preferred at left back. A job report taken off early again. Borges got his chance this time, but didn't necessarily shine from the start. Schwanier back on the bench. There's a lot of rotation and not a lot of continuity. I guess the schedule's led that way, but... Um, is it simply that just the ball's not going in or are some players not necessarily performing the way they should and, and maybe letting Bobby Smeniosis down a little bit? What do you think? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think you know, Forge are, are creating these opportunities, but they're just not putting them back in the net. Like I think of one in the these four minutes into the game where Kyle Becker plays a low cross into the box and, and Passius has a wide open shot on goal and uh, sends it onto Barton Street. Like There's nowhere near the net. And you know, I think there's also you know, the lack of continuity. I think you've seen several players, especially in attack, who aren't maybe getting a regular run of games. You know, we see Jordan Hamilton, for example, hasn't started very often, but it's of him and Passy is sort of flip-flopping up top and, and Schwanier not starting as regularly as maybe someone who, who should be starting on the wing. And I think when you have players who are maybe unsure if they're going to be in or out of the lineup or, or changing every single week, I think, you know, you, you don't really have a chance to sort of build up a rhythm and a cohesion maybe with, with your other teammates. And I think that's something that, it's sort of a bittersweet thing about having a team full of, of players who can start anywhere in the league is, you know, whoever comes in can make a difference, but if they're not playing regularly and they're not playing consistently with other people in the team, uh, I think that can be a bit of a problem as well. Yeah, you alluded to not the first time Wubens Passius has missed a great chance in the first few minutes of the game. He did the same at you against York as well. Um, just you know, that's that that that's football though. We talked earlier with this De Rosario, right? But uh yeah, as you mentioned, looked like he was kicking field goals for the Tie Cats rather than playing up front for Forge on the weekend. That's not great. Uh all right, let's go back to Tim Horton's field and hear from their gaffer. Here's Bobby Sminiotis. Yeah, I think up until about the 65th minute, uh, you know, game was uh, in control and uh, what we were doing. And then for some reason after that, uncharacteristically, uh, it, became, it became a game of transition. It became a game of transition. Uh, then you're playing with chance and luck and those two guys don't play on our team. They certainly don't. Three goals in the last five games for Forge. Four of the next five away, uh, including this weekend, uh, Benny. So what's next for these two? Yeah, Forgery in Winnipeg uh, this this Friday. They're playing a team who historically have been good at home, but Valor may be struggling a bit at the moment. Winless in eight, I believe it is. Um, so that, that'll be a, a big test for both teams, I think, to see who can sort of get back on track. And then uh, Pacific are playing the other high-flying team at the moment in York United, which should be a fantastic game on Sunday at Starlight Stadium. 
Yeah, it should be great. Good to see that as well. Benny, as usual, great work. Read Benny's uh, analysis at campio.ca. Uh, and also a fantastic feature on Olivia Smith, uh, who's trying to get in the Canadian Women's National Team uh, World Cup squad. Probably not going to happen, but uh, had a great career so far in the youth level and on their way to Europe. So catch that out as well at campio.ca. Finally, we got a Sunday's clash in Calgary, Alberta. It was a wide open contest that saw four goals scored inside the first 30 minutes for the first time in the CPL this season. Uh, no more would follow, though, but it was enough to keep our own Mitchell Tierney on his toes. He covered this one for us. Mitchell, uh, thanks for waiting. Thanks for being patient. Overall, uh, what number out of 10 would you give this contest in terms of its compelling factor and why? What did you like about this one? Yeah, I'll go with uh, an 8 out of 10. I mean, like you said, I think it started at maybe an 11 out of 10 uh, with four goals in the, the opening <laughs> 28 minutes and then, you know, settled down a little bit after that opening half hour as the two sides, you know, maybe shut down shop a little bit cavalry probably believing they'd done enough at, at that point and um vancouver you know just trying to to stop the bleeding um and you know we'll get to vancouver i'm sure but uh, a very important win for for cavalry um you know so much has been made about how many points they've dropped from leading positions so far this season but you know after a gut punch just four minutes in you know three goals and, and three points um from a losing position on sunday and um, at home as well, they're now leading the league nine points um, at, at Cofield, nine goals as well, um, top of the league in, in both those categories and remaining undefeated. Um, so, yeah, making at Cofield a, a fortress is is an important point always for, for Calvary, and they're doing it again this season. Yeah, they were they were terrific in this game. You you alluded you alluded to it. The story coming in was the seven leads that they'd already relinquished this season through eight games. Um, maybe that goal that they handed Vancouver on a platter <laughs> was exactly what they needed to ignite themselves. What I liked about it is that they never got they never got down. You could see Marco Carducci right away just talking to Chima who had made the error. It's fine, you know. We got another ninety minutes to play. Plus, they were only four minutes into the game, and and within twenty five minutes of that goal, it was game set match really. So every credit. We'll get more onto Calvary in a second what about the visitors this month was always going to be a real test for them right vancouver they're playing all four teams in the playoffs last year and they don't really have much of a midfield rocco romeo started this one there in midfield um at the base and then they would move to a back five they get that gift early but it, you know they seemed a little bit too easy to play around they're struggling at the moment mitchell what did you see from vancouver's side in this one yeah, interesting that they shifted maybe a little bit more attacking in their initial approach, you know, with Sandoval and Batar um, and Hundel up top. And obviously it worked four minutes in where Sandoval, uh, you know, puts on the pressure and they get a goal. But then maybe, you know, smelling blood in the water or what have it, they were a little too open. And um, Afshin Gopi had a great quote, as he always does after the match, about saying they're not good enough to defend with, you know, six or seven players. They have to defend with all 11. And they didn't do that nearly enough in the, the opening moments. You know, obviously they were able to to switch things up uh, to the back three in the second half. But by then, um, the the damage had already been done. And, you know, you mentioned the midfield um, dating back to, to the last game uh, these two sides played in that late injury to Caden Chung. Uh, they just haven't been able to quite find the balance, I don't think, in the, the middle of the park since then. And that number six position is is a big miss for them right now. They're trying to, to figure it out something there. And, you know, they tried Rocco Romeo there in, in this match. And I just think, it really just took him out of his best position and where he can best affect a game. You know, too often Calvary was just able to, to play around him or, or play over him. And, you know, you see some of the goals they scored and you just wonder if, if Rocco Romeo is there at the back and, and, you know, a ball pl gets played over the top that beats them so easily. If that's happening, you know, if there's as much space in, in the center of defense on, on Gauthier and Tigny's run for the second goal. So, 
Um, yeah, it's becoming a concern. Obviously, nine goals conceded in, in two matches. Defensive organization was kind of their hallmark through the early part of the season, but uh, a bit of a step back in, in that so far. And, um, you know, those are the, the growing pains of being an expansion side, but obviously something that they'll have to, to figure out quickly if they want to get themselves back in the playoff conversation. Yeah, yeah, I get, the, I get the feeling that they're shopping right now. You know, and mm. I think they have to be. Um, and I don't. Oh, they are. Got be said that. Yeah, they are shopping yeah. for number six. <laughs> yeah, they haven't been. They haven't had a number six for a while, right? Since the start. Even Caden Chung coming back, he's not the solution. Really, he's a band aid, but he's not. He's a very good one, but he's not a solution at that position. Uh, let's go back to Echo Field. Spruce Meadows at Echo Field. Here's the thoughts of Vancouver FC boss Ashvin Gopi. Um, first of all, I have to uh, congratulate uh, uh, Calvary for their victory and also for creating such a fantastic football atmosphere with their fans and the ambiance of the facility and playing on a natural surface. I really enjoyed it. Uh, my thoughts, uh, I think we had a brilliant start, a fantastic start, very disappointing for me to see how soft we took those three goals, but um, I felt uh, our reaction was uh, very good after probably 37th, 8th minute into the end of the first half and then I felt also in the second half we created enough chances to come back into the game. It's unfortunate that some of the chances we created that we didn't finish to come within a goal of the match because I think if we would have got the second goal and uh, then we would have got something out of this game. Uh, is 3-1 a uh, fair result? Uh, I think to be honest, no. I felt uh, we deserve something from this game. Uh, but I, I have tremendous respect for this uh, Calvary club. I think they're a very good side and their points are not close to the quality that they have. So uh, I'm hoping that we keep learning and uh, these lessons will help us become the team that we need to be to get into the playoffs. Some harsh lessons, I think, dealt with what you called, Mitch, a uh a dynamic cavalry attack. I thought it was really good, well worded on your analysis. So I guess in 60 seconds or less, who was coming your greats in this one? And I would imagine a lot of them wore red. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how disjointed and disorganized Vancouver at the back. You know, you need to give credit to to Cavalry for that, especially in a match where, you know, I don't think Ali Moosey was at the level we've we've considered him at in, in recent games. So um, just the the partnership between Camargo and playing below Bevan and just how they're able to to transition from side to side and and find different pockets and and areas to combine with players and to to find pockets of space to, you know to pull defenders out of position is is so important um and then i thought gote and Tamia a player you know playing out wide um on the left providing that width was was so important um and his ability to you know just be direct and, and provide speed out there a little bit of a different look from Cantav or, or escalante who they played there in recent weeks so i thought he was critical as well but uh just quickly, I think Bevan, um, so important to have a player who can who's scoring that consistently. You know, the the leading goal scorer for Calvary the last two season uh, was Mason uh, with seven and eight. Bevan's already got five, so uh, that shows you just how you know prolific he's been for Calvary this season and uh, important for that team. Yeah, he's been terrific, no doubt about it. The thing about Bevan is that for me, he came back after his injury last year, and I had a chance to speak to him in the offseason, incredibly motivated. You know, he, he was motivated. I know they don't talk about individual awards and honors, but he knew that he had it in him if he played all season that he can win the Golden Boot. He wants to get that top scorer. You know, he had a smile on his face yesterday in the post-game coverage with Juan Soccer when they, they, they told him he's now tired, he's got two assists already. You know that that's a personal motivation and goal for him. So um, that was great. Here he is, actually. Let's go back to Echo Field. Some reaction from the New Zealand and Maya Bevan. 
You know, obviously, um, it's, it's good to be up there in the golden golden boot, but I mean, I just want to be fully fit. I say this again because of last year, you know, I wasn't fit enough last year, you know, so I just want to stay, give 100% every game. But I think it's just um, the confidence, you know, that the gaffer's given me. He said, come and be the number nine, and I think now uh, it's, it's showing, you know, I just hope the ball continues to drop. That's his position, no doubt about it. It's his shirt to, to, to lose at this point. And he, to be fair, this time, you know, not this, earlier this season, earlier last season, when he played so well in those Champ games as well, it was his shirt and he really only lost it through injury. Um, with more on this reaction from this game, let's go back there and hear from the gaffer. Here's Tommy Wilden Jr. Exciting, dynamic, and um, it's been great. It, like I said, I, I've sounded like a broken record. It's coming. Like it's, we've got some wonderful moments, and what I needed to do was have that, you know, a 95-minute performance. And look, in patches, Vancouver had the upper hand, and credit to them. Like I said before, they're, they're well coached. And in this league, in a league of parity, you're going to have to give up a little bit of the ball sometimes. But then when we got it back, we probed, we pushed, we switched the ball. Um, and what we were trying to do was, you know, patient to then attack with the pace that we had and when we did have it it was excellent to see and I think what this does now is it validates what we've been leaning towards and also gives our guy confidence because when you've got Serge, Moussi, you know, Gote, Maya, Bex coming off the bench, Mickey Cantave, Escalante, um, it is the cavalry and that's how we want to attack when we do get space, we, we want to overload them with dynamism. Yeah, lots of words to look into there. Probably the biggest one I took from it was validation, Mitchell, in terms of just looking back at, it's been a testing time for them, no doubt about it. A lot of negative storylines, a lot of points dropped. Um, but the fact they were getting in those positions always felt that the, what they were doing was was right. How big of a win was it for them to just continue to get that and turn that feeling back into positivity? Yeah, incredibly important. And you talked to Patrice earlier about, you know, good sides leaving clues and Calvary have left plenty of clues. You know, they've been doing all the things you'd usually expect to, to lead to wins, you know, most importantly scoring first in just about every game they've played this season. Um, that's usually a good indicator of, of three points. Hasn't quite been for, for them this year, but you know, they're third in the league in expected goals. Now they're leading the league in possession. Um, and yeah, now they have four points from losing positions as well. So this is a side that, um, you know, now just needed those three points. That was kind of the final thing was putting in that, I would say 90 minute performance, but we saw them put in a 90 minute performance against Forge last week and it didn't lead to three points. So maybe we'll go complete performance um, and the team still without Mason, Showman, Montgomery. So, you know, there's more to come, I think, from this Calvary side. Yeah, great points. And Daly as well was missing this game as well. So there's a lot of uh, players to come. All right, what's next for these two and what do you expect next week? Yeah, um, get a second screen ready because these two actually play at the, the exact same time, not against each other, but at 2 p.m. Eastern um, on uh, Saturday, June 17th, Vancouver. Uh, they're on the road against Athletic Ottawa. You know, an intriguing bottom of the table clash. Two sides who, you know, really need uh, some positive results right now. And uh, Calvary, they travel out east to take on Patrice Geyser and, uh, and Halifax and, you know, two sides who are very confident going into that one. So um, some different form to, to watch out for in those two different games, but, you know, interesting ones for both teams. Mitch, before we wrap it up and before we let you go, you and I were both on a call last week with John Herdman. It's a big week for Canada soccer. You and Charlie will be all over it, as, as will I this week for Campio.ca and One Soccer. Um, what's your general thoughts heading into this one? I know the Nations League final is relatively new to those of us that have covered the game for a long time. Um, but what an opportunity Canada has here. No, this should be a pretty special week. 
Yeah, I mean, it took them how many games to qualify for a World Cup, and now it's just two games away from a trophy. Like, obviously, they had to go through that Nations League qualifiers, and John Herdman won't let you forget that because those were some testing games down in Honduras, down in Curaçao. And, but at the same time, you know, two games away from a trophy, this is probably the closest Canada's been to a trophy in, you know, decades in terms of just both the quality and the belief within the team and also just how many games they are away. Um, you know, Panama is the only team of these final four that be actually beat them during World Cup qualifiers. And they did that after Canada had already qualified for the World Cup. So uh, an exciting time. And obviously, you know, it, it comes so quick. Again, you, you're used to a group stage and then some some build up. But no, these are just two games. Um, but a team that is incredibly prepared and, and so many players coming off great European seasons that this is a really exciting one and a real opportunity for Canada to, to lift some silverware here. Yeah, an opportunity for them on the pitch and an opportunity for those of us off the pitch to continue to tell the story. As I say, there's a lot of people out there following the sport in this country. Uh, but I don't know about, about you, but, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's your mechanic or your hairdresser or whatever it is, tell them. Because people are, often have this look at what's the Nations League finals again? A lot of people still don't really know what it is. But I think, they'll, you know, if they get the opportunity to watch and get behind this team, they're going to really enjoy it. A reminder, Thursday night. Uh, Canada plays Panama first in a doubleheader. Mexico, U.S. is later, but Canada versus Panama is 7 o'clock Eastern live on One Soccer. And I think their coverage starts as early as 6 for a full hour pregame show. Uh, so that should be a special week. And as usual, Mitch and Charlie and myself will be all over it. Mitch, appreciate your hard work. Keep up the great work. And we'll speak to you next week. Mitchell Tierney there again covering the cavalry win in Calgary. Uh, it certainly is a big win for them when you look at the standings. Uh, and boy, oh boy, three points makes a big difference in this league. And you can just see it. Uh, a huge win for them to continue to show what they can be in this league. And they are a top four team in their hearts. And they're certainly a top four team now in the standings. Pacific, though, are undoubtedly the best team right now. They've got a two-point lead with a game in hand. They've got 18 points at the top from nine games played. They're averaging two points per game. York right behind them, two points back on 16 from 10, the same as Forge, 16 from 10. Cavalry have 12 from nine. And then underneath the battle for the fifth and final spot is really tight. Valor on nine, Halifax on nine, Atletico Ottawa on eight, and Vancouver FC on seven from nine as well. A look ahead to week 10 already in the CPL next week starts Friday night in Winnipeg at seven o'clock local time. And Valor like to play Forge at home. You have a terrific record against them. And that will be a big test for Hamilton uh, to go there and try and turn it around after a difficult few weeks for them. Uh, two games at the same time on Saturday, two o'clock local time uh, in Ottawa, Eastern as they play Vancouver and three o'clock local Atlantic as Halifax take on Cavalry. And then on Sunday, a great game again, Pacific who beat York four goals to one in the previous game at Starlight Stadium take on a high-flying York United in that one as well four great games across three days as well it's been a special week my thanks to Charlie to Mitchell to Benedict and of course to AGR and Patrice Geyser who simply is a class act and hopefully you got to know him a little bit more in the show this week until next week catch on the action again we'll see you good luck to Canada and we'll speak about that next week have a good week everybody hey
Canadian Premier League.